Those days probably better because then, you know, then I don't sort of get so nervous about it. I hate the sound of those. Yeah, so um, when I started there, we were given the option of joining a union. Um, I can't remember what unions. There were several unions operated because obviously they had manual workers, manual ancillary workers, and then they had the uh, the teaching staff, the academic staff. You know, so that was different. One, one thing that happened actually when I was there is they um, changed the pay scales because they had two different pay scales, one for academic staff, one for non-academic staff, and they wanted to bring everything in line just to simplify things. So I was, I was contracted for 42 hour a week, but the academic staff were only contracted for 35 hour a week. So when they came with these new contracts, they offered me this. I think I was offered like £100 more a year for doing 35 hours instead of 42. But then I said, well, the problem with doing only doing 35 hours instead of 42 is who's going to cover the other shift when I'm not here? And that's, that's kind of a nice thing to care about. So they said, well, we'll pay you overtime to do that. Over the 42 or over the 35? Over the 35 hours, I'd get paid overtime. I'd only get a normal time, unless I, Monday to Friday, if I work Monday to Friday, 35 hours, and then works on the weekend, then I'd get time and a half. But if if it was less than 35 hours on the weekend, and I had, during the week and I had to work on the weekend, I'd only get normal time for the extra hours. So I was a bit hesitant about signing the contracts. How but, long was um, the contract? 18 months? Um... No, no, it was a complete change of contracts. I was there for 10 years in total, and this was probably about three years before I left, three or four years before I left. So I kind of asked the head of the department, and she's like, oh yeah, just sign it, don't worry about it. So I signed it. And as it transpires, a few years ago, I broke my leg, um, so I was off work for six months. That was an amazing experience. And uh, then when I went back to work, I'd, I'd accrued holiday pay and I didn't realise that even though I'd been off sick you still accrued holiday and because of the contracts I had I was paid six months full pay then it would have been six months half pay and then after that you just got statutory sick pay which is about I think now it's around £80 a week or something which is nothing but I've been there for the six months so I was full pay for six months and I came back and they're like you need to use your holiday up I don't want to take a holiday I've just had six months off and, uh, yeah. but then because of that they'd had to be paying extra to cover me while I wasn't there so the the actual pay for the bar or the permanent bar staff skyrocketed because they were having to pay all these extra hours and they they bought in management consultants to see how we could like refine the business and that and they decided that we were being paid too much for our position and instead of, instead of having two assistant managers and a manager they got rid of the bar manager bought in a catering manager to oversee the bar and catering and so they made the head chef and another person in catering was made redundant my boss who was the bar's manager and me and my colleague who were the assistant managers we were all offered other contracts but lower pay or we could take redundancy and because of the way I've been messed around and stuff it's like I've had enough of this I'll take a redundancy but I've been there just less than 10 years and my colleague the other assistant manager he'd been working there for about three or four years and we would have both got exactly the same redundancy package however if I've been there over over 10 years I would have got a much larger package so I, I argued with HR and they're like yeah fair enough you know, it's only a couple of months before you've been here for 10 years we'll let you have this and in the end I, I walked away with 12 grand not a lot of money 
That's not bad at all. Yeah. I would I would hear that to be equivalent as like uh, for us like fully vested or not vested like a component of our retirement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just sounds very similar. Uh, very much more pleasant words actually. I yeah. mean, redundancy. That's. It's not so bad. Like, yeah. I'm okay with redundancy. Well, I did, I did have a choice. I could have stayed, but it would have been on the list. I was actually encouraged to go for a head barman's job, which would be kind of replacing the bar manager at a lower level. But I thought that was kind of undermining my boss. Like, we, we got on really well. We had a really good relationship. And for me to apply for what his new position would be, that he didn't want to take out, I didn't want to do that. And also, because of the way we've been treated, the way things have happened over that year, I'd, I'd have had enough, you know. So let me let me jump on a timeline. So you were what age at that at that point? Um, I left in the end of 2005-2006. So when I left, I would have been 40, 40 years old. And you went from there too? Well, I I thought I'd take a break because you know, I had a big big load of cash. So I thought I'll take a break. I, I worked hard there. And um, I, I needed a break. It had been, been a stressful year with all the with the management consultants and, and everything hanging over our heads. So I, I didn't want to work straight away. So I took a break um, for a few months. Actually, uh, researched my family tree. I, I sort of did a little bit online and then called my dad to ask me about some stuff. He was like, oh, I'm registered with Ancestry website. He said, you can use my membership. So I did loads, loads of research into family tree, went and visited houses where my ancestors lived, took photographs, and that was really cool. And then my sister was living in Malaysia at the time, so I went over to visit her for a couple of weeks, three weeks, I think I was over there for. And then after that, I decided I'd start to look for work. And I particularly wanted to work in student unions again, because I'd had a good experience generally. They, like the, um, the holiday package of students' unions is very good. Um, the hours are good, the ho- holidays good, you know, it's a really good environment to get into if you can, they give you a lot of training. So I wanted to get back into that. But because of my age, I think, though they're not allowed to discriminate by age, but because of my age and because I've had this gap, I found it really, really difficult to get work. I tried all sorts of things. After trying the students' unions, I started trying pubs. But they didn't want to take me in as a manager in a pub because I hadn't had pub experience. I'd only had, I'd worked at the Students' Union for 10 years. Prior to that, I'd worked at International Students' House for six years but in a bar. But again, it was a student environment. And then prior to that, my, my first job when I came to London, I worked at the Civil Service Club behind the bar for two years. So I'd never had the experience in a pub. I'd done one or two shifts in pubs to help friends out and things like that. But I'd never had the pub experience. So nobody wanted to take me on as a manager. What do you think that they thought that you wouldn't know? With some pubs, like chains, like Mitchell's and Butler and Weatherspoons, were two, two that I applied to. And they like to mould people into their way of thinking. Okay. And I very much think for myself. Okay. Um, and they, they like you... All their pubs are on the same. Everything's done in the same way. And so... If you want to introduce something new, you have to go to the head office and you have to like put your case and then kick that kind of thing about it. And I'd always been very hands-on. If I had an idea, I implemented it. So I don't. I think a lot of them felt that I would cause too much disruption because I was always keen to change things and to improve things and streamline things and stuff like that. Or just not, you know, not, uh, not long-term, maybe not satisfied long-term because you couldn't act on your ideas. Yeah, um, um, which I'd, I'd, I'd always done, like, at, at the Students' Union. 
um, I, years ago when I was a kid, um, I got a, got a computer, a home computer in 1980, so it was right at the dawn of home computing, and I was really into it, I was really good at programming. Decided to go to college to do computer studies and hated it because I didn't even touch computers. So I, I gave up computers and I didn't touch a computer for 13 years. And then it was it was with the advent of email and things like that. I started to need to use a computer at work, so I learned very various courses. I learned learn how to do Excel and, and Word, but Excel I just suddenly saw all these amazing opportunities for simplifying my job by doing spreadsheets and stuff like that. So I introduced loads of spreadsheets and stuff like that. Um, and I computerized a lot of the systems that we had at the student union, like the rotors and all sorts of things like that. And it, it took a long while to set all these systems up, but once they were set up there, they saved us hours every week, you know. And I really enjoyed doing that sort of thing. But going into like a pub environment, they didn't want people to come along and to change things and do something. They wanted them to run the business in the way that they dictated. You know, so there was very little room for change. You, you could you could have ideas and you could tell them your ideas and they, they'd probably go and sit on a committee somewhere high up and think about it and chat about it. And maybe they implement it, maybe not. So, yeah, I had no luck there. So in the end, I decided I actually did a mobile cleaning job for three months um, in desperation because I couldn't, couldn't get the job I wanted. And then I, uh, I fell out with that company who've since gone bankrupt, I'm glad to say. But, uh, and then um, I just thought, well, I've got to get back into bar work. And I just started, I, went, I basically went to every pub from my house in North Acton, all the way along the central line to here. I must have handed out 250, 300 CVs, all the pubs in by the tube station. And I wanted it, I went on the, the central line so that I could, well, so it was easy for me to get home. You know, the travel was important. Um, and I, I came to Hoburn, went to all the pubs, went up to Chancery Lane, you know, I visited the Pendles Oak and the city of York, and then I was coming back to Hoburn Station towards the end of the day, and I thought, I'll just dip down this alley. And there was a ship tavern, I kind of came in, it must have been about half three, four o'clock in the afternoon, and there was a, there was about maybe a dozen people in the pub, but it, it didn't, didn't feel empty, a lot of the other pubs were quiet. And they just felt really cold and sterile. But here there was kind of warmth and, and a really nice feeling. And so, oh, I really like this. I hope they've got a job. I asked behind the bar. And they're like, well, yeah, we, like, we've got, we need a barman for the weekend. You know, we need, you know, because there's only girls working on the weekend. And we need, we need a man here to be able to do any heavy lifting in the cellar or to check toilets and, and things like that. Things that we really can't really do. So um, they said they put my name forward to the weekend manager. She called me and she's like, you want to come in this weekend, trial shift? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And that was it. I got the job. Just part-time to start with. Then I started working during the week. Um, I took over the cellar because I didn't like the way the cellar was being run and completely tidied that up, sorted it out. And um, eventually became the assistant manager, sort of by, by working at it and doing things. But I've been here for 10 years now, so I've... Again, I've introduced lots of systems on the computer, like the cash sheet, time sheet, doing service charge and stuff like that. I've just been doing one now to work out people's holiday allowance and things like that. It's, it's complicated, a lot of work, but after spending all the time doing it, it saves me time, eventually. You know. What, uh, so, I think I, what I heard you, I'm gonna connect a few dots. Yeah, yeah. I like computers. Yeah. Um, I've got back like into computers since. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So we were going. Yeah. Uh, so, 
So I have a thought. We're going to jump around. Uh, I have a thought that, that the most effective use of, of technology, essentially, is to create more face-to-face -face Right. Well, for me, it's to... It's a good way of keeping records and in the long run it saves me time once I've set up systems so yeah I'll have more time to spend tidying up after everybody or well I'd love to spend more time with the customers but that, my job, a lot of my job isn't customer facing there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I have to do and I, I don't know I, tell I, me more I, about that what behind the scenes stuff what, well, what your day looks like I mean let's let's, let's you know uh, well, I can start at the beginning of the week. Yeah. Uh, the, start, the start of the week for me is a Saturday, because I have Thursdays and Fridays off. So I'll come into work, and I'll do a general tidy up downstairs, you know, like throw any cardboard away, clean the floor if it needs to, organise the beer kegs and stuff like that. I might have to shuffle a few things around. And just generally tidy the place up <clears throat> so I can see where everything is. And then I'll start doing some of my orders ready for Monday. So I'll sort of kind of prepare that. And that usually takes me an hour or so doing that. And then once I've done that, I'll come and I'll check the timesheet, make sure it's been filled in correctly the days I've been away, check emails and things like that. Um, and usually on a, on a Saturday, I'll have um, a bar, bar supervisor. So that kind of takes me away from the bar. I don't have to be supervising the bar at the same time, which makes things a lot easier. Because I have had to do it in the past where I'm trying to supervise the bar and do all this stuff downstairs and... You know, you, you need a presence up here. You know, you need to make sure there's change in the tills. You need to make sure that the staff are all okay, that you haven't got any problem customers. Because of the experience I've got, it's a lot easier for me to spot a problem that the other staff may not. What's the frequency with which you have to adjust staffing? Well, the, the staffing levels, you mean? Mm -hmm. or Well, our quietest time is August. Um, and then we get progressively busier you're up to Christmas so then we at the moment we've had quite a large changeover of staff which is unusual we normally keep staff for two years it's just so happened that a lot of staff who've been here for a long time have all left at the same time so we've had a big changeover recently what do you think that's about? Um, some staff have left because of the situation in Europe with Brexit um, that, that's, that's really affected us quite badly or, or, yeah, I'd say quite badly. We are we previous prior to the it the vote that affects us in a negative way mm -hmm. because a lot of our staff were European or they were, um, and um, after the Brexit, we used to have four or five people a week coming in, handing CVs, looking for work, and after the Brexit vote, that all stopped, like completely. You know, not not even one or two, and we had to actually start advertising to hire staff and that's something we've never had to do before I see that all down the street here and loads of people, people are finding it very difficult you know, because a lot of the manual jobs and I say low skilled job even though bar work isn't low skilled it's considered as a low skilled job but it's very difficult to get people to, to come and do this kind of work and it's, it's ideal for people from Europe come over after they've finished studying to improve their English, work for a couple of years, and go back. And we had, that's what a lot of our staff did. It's a lot easier to be here for a year after you graduate. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty much like, hey, you graduated, come and hang out for a year. Yeah, and it was really good because they get to improve their English. Um, I give English lessons all the time to my staff, correcting their grammar and explaining 
um, different words to use and stuff like that. And I really enjoy it. Um, and, I, and because I worked at International Students House for six years as well with a lot of foreign students and stuff, I'm, I'm used to working with people who don't have a strong grasp of English. So I can, I can speak to people without using idiot language. I can speak to them using normal language, but in a clear and concise way where they can understand because I'm used to that. I'll use a lot of hand gestures. You know? And you remember to slow down. Yeah, you have to slow down and speak clearly and look at people when you're speaking. And, and all, all those kinds of things are important. That's good. I mean, it, that seems that seems like a, like an intrinsic, um, like sort of an intrinsic value to yeah. the job. Right? Well, yeah, it's very important to. And when the, when the bar is very busy and when it's noisy, it's difficult to hear people. So a lot of the time, you're you might do it subconsciously, but you do read people's lips. You know, and I can serve somebody who's three rows back because if you're stood at the front and you can't make your mind up, I just want to serve the guy who's going to be quick, order a pint of beer, and then go away. You know, I don't, I don't want to be caught like that for ten minutes with somebody scratching their head and humming and hollering because I don't have the patience to do that anymore. You know what I, you know? I, I'll say? I love it here because I just say cider and somebody hands me something. Yeah. Just make. I just want a cider, and everybody just hands me something, and I don't. I don't know if that's. You know, ridiculous, but I find it very convenient. A lot of people might come in and say, "I'd like a beer," and it's right, okay. Yeah, what type different. of beer would you like? So, cider is a very specific drink. We've got one cider on draft, so it's very easy. It's like we have a dry cider on draft, or we've got a sweet cider in bottles if you prefer. You know? right. And most people go for dry cider on draft. But beer does get really sort of involved here. Yeah, well, because you've got this quite a beer it includes Guinness is beer. Lager, Foster's, Cronenberg, Heineken, they're all beer. And then you've got the Ales, Tribute, Jukers, all those ones. They're, they're all beer. Beer is like a huge generic group. And within that group, you've got your lagers, you've got your stouts, you've got ales, you've got bitters. But it's, so if somebody comes and asks for a beer, it's not very, very specific. Well, so I work for Starbucks. I work, right, for okay. Starbucks. I work for Starbucks and I work for Starbucks Corporate. And when somebody would come and ask for a cup of coffee... Well, yeah, it'd be the same. Can I have a coffee, please? And it's like, what type of coffee would you like? If I could get away with it, here you go. Gotcha. Americano. Yeah. 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 But you can't do that. No. no you need to spend time with the customer. You've got to find what they want. And it's really important as well to make sure that they're, you, you give them a drink that they enjoy. Like, you don't want them taking a pint away and sipping it for an hour because they don't really enjoy it, but they've paid for it and they feel they have to drink it and they're too embarrassed to complain. No, you, you want them to enjoy their drink. So we offer people tasters with all our draft beer and even with the wine, if, if you're not sure, we'll give you a little taste. So yeah. I've wondered, is, is that a location thing? Just because this does seem to be... It's something that pubs have started to do more and more the, over the last few years. 20 years ago, they wouldn't have offered you anything for free. But now, I think the customer, ser- it, it, customer service is um, really coming to the fore because of the problems that pubs have had with lots of pubs, pubs closing down. Uh, smoking ban really affected the licence trade because people could no longer smoke inside. And they could buy cheap beer at the supermarket, so they'd buy the beer from the supermarket, watch the football on their TV, and sit and smoke at home. Don't worry, bell bottoms yeah. came back, so will bars. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't want to take up a huge amount of your time. I would love to take up a huge amount of time, but can you tell me, what are the things that, like, give, what are the things that would be very difficult to give up? What, about the job, or? <laughs> about your day. You know, yes, the job, but more your day here in this place. 
Well, I like everything to be organised, really organised. And I find it very difficult to just leave it. And um, probably because I've been here so long and I've trained people to do stuff and then they've left. So a lot of the time I kind of, because I can do it well, I can do it really well. And it's very difficult to train people up to that standard. So I have a tendency perhaps to kind of do more stuff than I need to. I could probably let other people do. But like everyone else. I like to retain the control. You know. I'm not good at delegating. I am or not. If it's something I don't want to do. Something that, you know, um, like simple things like going and serving a customer. Like so it is control. Good. You enjoy. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, there's a difference, right? Yeah. But... I'm not sure that I'd want to go another level and actually run the business. I really like doing the support and supporting another manager and being in control that way. But I think if there was nobody else for me to go to to ask questions, I think I'd find that quite difficult. I've never been in that position. I've always sort of been second in command, if you know, rather than the top dog. And I quite like that position because it, I suppose it gives me a kind of little bit of protection, but I've still got a lot of control. Vacation, yeah. like actual vacation. Yeah. I mean, you're not the last person paid. No, when I go away, I have this problem about what am I going to face when I come back. And I'm, I'm going away this week. And after Wednesday, I'm off for two and a half weeks. And I know it's going to be difficult to come back. Oh, um, it's like I, I'll show you a picture. I came in on Saturday, and I, I oh no, I had Saturday off, so I'd had three days off. I'd had um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. And I came in, and I walked into the cellar. Sorry. Um, and I was greeted by a mess. And, and I've, like, as soon as I come in, and I see this, it's like, right, now I've got to tidy all that up. And it, there's always an excuse, oh, we're too busy. And it was like, oh, I was going to do that later. And it's like, don't do it later, do it now. Now it takes you 30 seconds to do. You do it later, you don't do it, and then I end up doing it. And it'll take half an hour, an hour out of my day where I could be doing something more important. You know. So this is the kind of thing that I face after days off. And it's, but I guess it's part of the control thing as well. So when I come back after holiday, I'm gonna have a whole heap of stuff that I'm gonna to need to sort out. And that's, I'm trying to ignore it and I'm not letting it spoil my time off. And then I'll just deal with it when I get back. When you're gone, uh, who takes care of your payroll? Well, the general manager will be doing that or delegating it. Um, Does he know how to do it? Sort of, sort of, sort of. Do you use a payroll service? Yes. So, yeah. that's a, so, that's so what we have to do is we have to just collect everybody's hours together and um, their holiday hours, their working hours. At the moment, it's coming to the end of our holiday year and I want to tie all that up before I go away because people are restricted to the amount of holiday they can carry over to next year. And I've almost got it so everybody's down to a level. I need to speak to the, the owner of the business about what we're going to carry over. And I want to do that before I go away. So the slate's clean. So some of my general manager, when he does the payroll next week, everything's in place and all he needs to do is write the hours down, phone it through. I need to make it. And I've even written holiday down that people are going to be taking next week. I've already written it down on the sheet. So all he needs to do is fill in the other hours. To make it as simple as possible to try and try and stop him having any problems or, or I'm going to verbalize an assumption What's that? I would assume that you and the general manager have sort of a nice balance of involvement and not yeah well because 
I'd kind of been acting general manager here for a while. He's only been with us three years. He's a friend of the owner. He's known the owner for years. And they kind of, they're the same age and they grew up together running pubs. So they've known each other for a long, long time. So that's why he was brought in because they needed a, I needed, I needed help basically because I was trying to do everything on my own and I wasn't really getting enough support from, I had supervisors, but they were, they did yeah but they didn't want to work this shift they didn't want to work that and because I didn't have the authority as being the general manager it was very difficult to get them around it involved a lot of controlling and, and being nice to them to try and get them to do things and I was in a really difficult position and then when the general manager came along I didn't realise he was being brought in as a general manager initially I thought he was being brought in as the same level as me and we kind of share the role but that didn't happen I was a bit I was a bit upset that didn't happen but it has taken a lot of the pressure off me and now I kind of do the things that I want to do I let him he generally he'll do um, the recruitment of staff and he'll do the time he'll do the time sheets and stuff like that yeah well I still have to I still have to get everybody's passports and national insurance numbers and I have to send all that off to payroll I've still got to do all that side but at least I don't have to worry about getting the people in I just say to him look we need more staff get me more staff get me more staff and he does the rotor so yeah, we've got we've got we've got a kind of good relationship. It's taken a while for us to kind of find the balance. Um, we did have a couple of big big arguments, but I think that kind of helped him understand how I felt and helped him appreciate more and the support that I could give him and things like that. And, and now now we've got a really good working relationship. Can you give me three or four like uh, stupid assumptions? Everybody assumes that Barwick's just about pulling pints and serving drinks. It's not. There's an awful lot more. So that's one. Um, yeah, people don't think of it as a particularly physically demanding job. But when I see a delivery of beer in, I'll, I will have six or seven tons of beer that I've got to see in, and then I've got to move it, and then I might have to move it again. So I'm moving several tons of stock every day myself manually, just lifting it up and carrying it. And people don't realise that all this. Would you would you have thought of being lifting all that weight? Well, I mean, you could think of it as a commodity. Like you're literally moving a commodity. You're moving. You know, I mean, you can't yeah, damage well, it. It can't be too high. It can't be too cold. Oh yeah, yeah. You so it's to... got to be looked after. It's got to be stacked in an orderly manner. The stock's got to be rotated to make sure. I can't just leave it unattended. No. <laughs> No, it needs to be put away properly, you know. You've got a big stack of boxes and you've got one of the same. It needs to go on the bottom because it's the, new, the latest ones come in. You need to use the oldest first. And some people were like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just put it on the top. Nobody will notice. But then the one on the bottom ends up being there for six months. And when you come to it, it's out of date. So it's really important to kind of rotate these things around. And the same with like bottles on shelves. So that's another thing that people should just come in put bottles on shelves. You might do that when you're busy, but then there are times when it's quiet and you have to take all the bottles off the shelf and check all the sell-by dates to make sure the oldest ones are at the front. And, and slow movers, like pineapple juice, you, you know, it's got six months' life on it, but if you're not rotating it, it's very easy to have some bottles sat at the back of the shelves for six months and you have to throw them away. Yeah. No, it just makes me think of uh, when I was a kid, I learned about FIFO from ketchup. Oh. So it's like you gotta move ketchup around once it's been opened. Oh yeah. Right? And, and you know maybe I don't remember all those things, but I just know that you wanna you wanna use the old stuff first. Well, Heinz had a big problem 
several years ago now, I can't remember how long ago, about the bottles of ketchup exploding because the ketchup was fermenting. That happened, that happened. And, you know, that was enough that left a mark. Yeah. First in, first out. Don't yeah. fuck it up. Don't, don't well, I think it was also the way people were storing it wasn't correct. Now people keep they it in They were marrying the, it. Yeah, so it, they were just putting old with new and old with new and old with new. Which and did, eventually, you, you you introduce some kind of bacteria, and then it breeds. And well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's. Uh, we should have learned in high school not to marry ketchup bottles. Yeah, there's lots of things they don't teach you at school. <laughs> right. You know, they don't teach you about pensions. They don't teach you about how to look after your money. They don't teach you about how important it is to look after your teeth and things like that. You know? Your feet. Feet, feet are very important. I, 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 um, I had a really bad problem with my feet because I bought um, a badly fitting pair of shoes and I wore them for about a week and I ended up with a big knot on my Achilles tendon and it was so painful. Walking up and downstairs was really difficult. I, I got rid of the shoes and bought some new shoes, but it took me nearly a year to recover from that, to be able to walk up and downstairs without pain. No. I, can, I have a story I can relate to. Yeah, just because the shoes were turning a little bit too small. I hit, I hit my toe on the stairs running up. Little toe? The, the second toe. Oh, right. Which little toe is the shorter. worst. But, yeah, yeah, but it should be shorter than the first toe, so it so, should be no, safe. Some people have longer ones. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I just got a little hung up, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, was, I was out for a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. I had no idea that it could be so painful. I, br- I broke my toe, my big toe, kicking a door one day because I lost my temper. I'd cut my hand, couldn't find a plaster, tried to open the door, my hand slipped off the handle because it was covered in blood, so I kicked it and broke my toe. <laughs> you felt it, right? Well, I don't, and then I worked after doing it. I worked for five hours and it, and it just got so the pain was so intense, I was feeling sick, I was getting hot and cold flushes, and it felt like my foot was throbbing. I took my shoe and sock off to have a look. And my toe just expanded from a little bit bigger to my thumb to about the size of a tennis ball. Like you got bit by a cat? I just went boom, like that. No, 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 you've seen people that have allergic reactions to cats? Oh, no. Oh, you're missing out. Like a massive swing. It's ridiculous. Like the biggest guys you've ever met can be totally taken down by like a cat. Yeah. Yeah, but this... um, so I had to go to a hospital and then to get, I had to catch a cab and it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm stood outside standing on one foot with a sock and shoe in my hand. Who's going to pick somebody up at that time of night doing that? So to me, I got a cab, got to the hospital, had to wait, they x-rayed me, told me there was nothing wrong just to go home and rest it. And I couldn't walk for about three days. After three days, I was okay. I was hobbling around on it. And it wasn't until years later when I broke my leg and I was complaining that I because I lost all the movement in my foot after breaking my leg I had to relearn to the, yeah. rebuild all the muscles and reconnect all the nerves so was it, it a break in the lower? yeah yeah tibia okay. and fibula Usually it was a spiral fracture where you lose. yeah I was lucky it didn't break the skin but um, it, was, it was a really bad break and um, so I had to learn to walk again basically and I and I, I complained one time at the hospital I was having problems moving my big toes and I said I couldn't move it at the joint and the um, surgeon came up to it and was like and he's going, no, that's because the joint's fused. You must have broken it at some point. And it's like, oh, that's what I did that time. And I kicked the door and they told me it was fine. I actually broke it. Fine you know. is, is uh, relative. Yeah. Fine for them, not Strangely so enough, it has become unfused since then. And it, it works again now. Really? And I don't know whether that's because the intensive phys- physiotherapy I did when I broke my leg to, to begin to walk again. Um, or what? I'm sort of fascinated by the whole tailbone break. I don't know if you've ever had friends that have broken their tailbone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Or um, the... Uh... Collarbone? Yeah, that's very common, especially rugby. 
I'm like the owner here used to play rugby and he's dislocated his shoulder. I had a friend at school who was told he, he could never play rugby again because if he did, if he dislocated his shoulders again, he'd have to have screws put in it to hold it in place. Left arm, right arm. I can't remember. It was a long, long time ago. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, you can probably make it one without. Yeah. I mean, I just need to be able to wait. There was one time right. when I was working at the Students' Union, there was a guy came up to me. He's like, um, I've dislocated my arm. Can you help me pull it back? And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, well, if you pull my arm really hard and I pull away, I can't do that. You've watched too many movies. So I went to the security lodge and said to the security guard, this is the problem. I haven't got first aid. He's like, no, we're not allowed to do that. He said, if we do that, we could trap a nerve. We could cause all sorts of things. We can't do it. And with that, the guy said, fine. And he got a fire extinguisher that was hung on the wall, picked it up with his, his dodgy arm and just swung it like that and clicked it back into place himself. I couldn't believe he did it. You know, almost like... what? Is it, uh, Why did you? Mel Gibson, isn't it? Well, he bangs himself against the wall. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's, it's Mel Gibson, isn't it? Yeah, it does. And he always just and he just bashes himself against the wall. Yeah. So this guy was pretty much doing the same thing with fire extinguisher, waiting for fire extinguisher to. I want to make sure.
she was just determined to break my shell. Like to, to help me see something that was different than what I knew. Maria, the camping girl. Yep. So she kept, she kept giving me stuff. Anyway, third book is. Uh, what was the book? Oh. Trashy. It's called The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It was the first time I'd ever read a book with the F word.